Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Welcome to Young Adults, man. I'm excited that y'all are here tonight. We got groups kickoff going down after the service. So if you're not in a group, go ahead and sign up for a group because life is uh, uh, it's better to Holmes versus Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Come on, baby. I mean, you got the, I'm excited about that. That's like a gift from God right there that we get to watch. Patrick Mahomes, I'm excited about that. That's like a gift from God right there that we get to watch uh, those two athletes duel it out. So I'm excited for that, and I'm ready for it. Hey, uh, we're starting a new series tonight, and so um, it, it's a series on forgiveness. We're going to be in this for three weeks, and uh, I'm pumped for it, and I hope you guys are, are ready to go for it. As well, because I think this is something that if in our young adulthood, right, if in our young adulthood we can get this, it's going to make the rest of our life better. All right, so we're talking forgiveness over the next three weeks, and here uh, as we are prepping for this, we believe that forgiveness is a three-way street. All right, we believe that forgiveness is a three-way street. That if you're going to have an attitude of forgiveness, if you're going to have a lifestyle of forgiveness, not a lifestyle of bitterness and resentment, there's three things that need to happen. You need to be able to say sorry. You need to learn how to say sorry. You need to forgive others, and you need to forgive yourself. So tonight we're talking about how, what it looks like to apologize, what it looks like, how do we learn how to say sorry in our lives. And then next week we're talking about how to forgive other people, and in week three we're talking about how to forgive ourselves. And here's the deal. If you're a note taker, write this part down. When, when it's dealing with forgiveness, you've got to address the tension in your heart. When we're talking about forgiveness, you've got to address the tension that is going on in your heart, okay? So that, that's what really the series, we, as we were looking at this, like what is the basis of forgiveness? That there's something going on inside of you that you've got to address. And I want to tell you all a story. Uh, I've been married for five years now uh, to my beautiful wife, Emma, who's putting our two kids to bed at home right now. But So I can tell this story right here. Uh, I'm not sure that maybe she's forgiven me for this, but I, uh, I coached football when when we first got married, and uh, so I coached over at Hillcrest over on the north side of town, and I'm, I'm young, right? And this is a lesson in what not to do. I need every guy in here to listen to what I'm about to say and understand. You might already know this, like this would be something to not do. So we got married. We haven't been married that long, and uh, I was coaching football. I got done with practice, and you know what? My mom can cook. Y'all got a mom who can cook? Anybody got a mom who can cook out there? Like, my mom can cook. And my wife's still practicing, all right? And so um, she's gotten better over time. Five years been good to her. You just got to stay committed to the grind and keep, and you got to trust the process, all right? And uh, my, my wife, uh, I, I was like, you know what? I'm hungry after practice. Where I coach over at Hillcrest, my parents didn't live that far away. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to slide on home, grab something to my old home. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna grab something to eat with my parents and then I'm gonna go home. And so I did that and I thought everything was fine until, stand this, I thought I was being a good husband. I call my wife, I'm like, hey, Emma, this. I thought I was being a good husband. I call my wife, I'm like, hey, Emma, you want, you want, you want me to bring you some food? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you want me, I was over, over at my mom and dad's, you want me to bring you some food, you know? And so, so like when we first got married, my wife, when she'd be like, well, that's whatever. Uh, I could tell I was in trouble. So like when we first got married, my wife, when she, my wife had cooked dinner and I did not commit. Okay, and my wife was going over to my parents. If you're listening, be able to communicate. My wife, like I had to say sorry in that moment. 
understandably, right? If I ever, I had to say sorry in that moment. Understandably, right? If I ever wanted to eat ever again, I had to say sorry in that moment. And I had to ask for forgiveness from my wife. And that was a good thing that I did that. And uh, I wish I could sit here and tell you, like, I've not messed anything up since then. I've done a lot of apologizing in my marriage. And uh, I think that's a good thing, but also sometimes a funny thing. But what is this basis for apologizing? Have you ever thought about that? That universally, apologizing is something that is, it's universally accepted. If you Googled how to apologize, there's actually psychologists out there. You can see a lot of published articles on really some steps in what apologizing to someone or what saying sorry should look like. And it's generally agreed upon this is a good idea. We see people practice this all the time. We see that, that, that like apologies are a part of our life. But why is that? You know, and, and so like, not only do we just generally accept that it's a good thing, but actually physiologically, there are benefits that go on, especially when it comes to forgiveness. Not only for you, so like, even if you, do, you don't hear anything else I'm saying, like if you want your life to be better tonight, right, you want to feel better, then you need to be able to forgive people, and you need to be able to say sorry to people. There was actually a study done, it was Grace University and Virginia Commonwealth University, they did a study, and this is what they found. They had somebody who had been wronged, someone who had something done wrong to them, and they asked this person, hey, picture whoever wronged you. And when they pictured them, and they said, picture them forgiving you, that the, the people that they were studying, as they pictured someone coming to them and saying sorry for what had happened, what they actually began to experience is they, their blood pressure decreased, their heart rate decreased, their rate of perspiration decreased, and their facial tension actually dropped. Like they, they, they lost the, the tension that was in their face as they pictured someone apologizing. And now here what we do at Young Adults and here what we do at this church is we open up God's word and we see like what are the truths of scripture. And what's really, what's really crazy, I want you to pay attention to this, is that in, as we see like that apologizing is universally accepted as a good thing, as a thing that benefits our health, so many things like this so many things like this, whether it's being generous, right? If you're generous with your time and your resources, these things that benefit our health are found in scripture. They're based out of God's word because God designed us and created us to engage in these types of things. That God's plan for us is to live a life of forgiveness. That God's plan for us is to be able to apologize in our lives, to say sorry, but what is really like the basis of that? And so when we go and we look at scripture and we look at the core of like, who are we? What is our worldview? What is a Christian worldview of forgiveness? What is a Christian worldview of apologizing? It starts with understanding that we are not perfect. You know, scripture tells us in multiple different places that you and I are not perfect. We got this thing called sin in our lives, Right? And if you, if you sat there and you took an honest evaluation of your life, you would say, I have things wrong in my life. I've done things wrong. I've messed up things. Some of y'all might not even have wanted to come to church tonight because you got something wrong, right? And you feel this, this tension that exists from our sin, that because we have sinned, we feel this tension. And why is that? You know, in Psalms 54, it tells us that for, for God is not a God who delights in wickedness, and that evil cannot be with him. Do you know what your sin is? That it's easy for us to like look at everything that's going on in our world and be like, that's evil. Did you know that you have part of that in your heart? 
Did you know that, uh, you, you know that you innately are not good? that we are not good, that we have something evil inside of us, that we have sin, that we have this tension, and that God cannot associate that. He cannot be associated with it. Our wrongdoings, he cannot be associated with that. But God's plan from the beginning was not that it would be that way. God's master plan from the beginning is that we would be in unity and harmony with him. But when sin entered the world, what that did is it created a gap It created a chasm between us and God, that God is over here, holy, perfect, righteous, and we're over here with sin in our lives. We got tension, right? God didn't do anything to create this tension. We did. Our sin nature caused this tension between us and between God. But God didn't want that. He wanted, do you you know that? Some of y'all just need to know that tonight, that God does love you and that he does want a relationship with you with you, and that he does want good things for your life, and that he does want to be close with you and to draw near to you. God wants that for your life. So he, you know what he did? He wasn't happy with that. He can't know evil, but he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and to take on the weight of our sins, to bear the burden of our sins, thus bridging the gap between us and God. Jesus came, all that tension that exists between us and God because of our sin, Jesus took on all of that on the cross. And it's a gift to us. That's a gift to us to unite us again with God and to make us whole again. That's the basis of where this all starts. And I want to read to you from 1 John chapter 1 and uh, verses 8 through 10. And it says this, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So what do do we see at the start? There needs to be an acknowledgement that you are not perfect. There needs to be an acknowledgement that not everything is okay in your life. That's where this attitude of forgiveness really starts. And there's a word in verse 9, it's confess. And when you look at uh, the New Testament is written in Koine Greek, this common Greek, and we look at the Greek word confess, and we get to the root of what that means. It really means to not deny or to admit guilt. So if you're confessing something, what are you doing? You're admitting that there is guilt on your part. You're admitting that there is something wrong in your life. You're admitting that. And what does it say? That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, again, we talked about that. Our sin caused tension between us and God. God didn't do anything to cause that tension. We did. But if we confess that, if we admit it, if we do not deny our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all the unrighteousness in our lives. So you know what that does? Is when we are right vertically. This this is the main point right here. This is the main point for tonight. If we are right vertically with God. If we have a relationship with Jesus. if If we've acknowledged what Jesus did on the cross and accepted that. And we've entered into a relationship with God again. If we are right vertically with God. It should spill out to the horizontal relationships we have with other people. If we are right vertically with God, it should spill out into the relationships we have with others. 
If you are going to live a life that is marked by forgiveness and not bitterness and not hate, don't you want that? Do you know why so many people are so unhappy? They just got so much stuff either that they've caused or other people have caused them that's just built up in their heart. They got this tension that they've never addressed, and it just sits there. And so they can't be happy, and they can't live a life that's marked by forgiveness. They can't live a life that is full of kindness and joy and peace and patience. They can't do it because they got tension in their heart. And I want to say this, like, We could talk about surface level changes that you're making, but unless you understand your vertical relationship with God, unless you are right with God, you will never be able to be right with other people. It will just be head change. It won't be heart change. That your relationship with God, because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us, should spill out into all of the horizontal relationships we have in our lives. That's the key. That's where it starts. You know, it's crazy because the last couple messages I, I, I've preached, I feel like, I was telling Jared this this morning. I was like, man, I feel like I keep saying the same things. I keep starting with the gospel and then going from there. But the truth is, is that is the base of everything we're talking about. You cannot live a life of forgiveness until your vertical relationship with God is right. Man, that's, that's the tension that we have to address first. You know, the, the deal is, is that as we look at even what Jesus said and while he was here on earth, he said the greatest commandment is this, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, love God vertically and then love your neighbors horizontally because you understand what God did for you. That when we arrive vertical, then we expel, that spills out to our horizontal relationships. In our lives, we want this. Do you not crave this? Do you not want to, I mean, don't you just want that so bad? Don't you just want to live a life in the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years that is not marked by bitterness, but is marked by forgiveness? And one of the ways we have to be able to do that is we have to learn to say sorry. You have to learn to say sorry. And that word confess, to admit guilt to not deny. That's kind of like I view it as almost like a deeper form of an apology, right? It's not surface level. There's something to it. It's got some meat on it, right? That if we are to live a life of forgiveness, we're going to have to be able to tell people sorry, and we're going to have to be able to apologize for things that are going on in our lives at times. And so when we look at learning to say sorry, when we look at learning to say sorry, we got to understand that If we are right vertically with God, it should spill out to our horizontal relationships. It has to. It has to. And so practically speaking, like why do I need to say sorry? I see that like the gospel is marked by forgiveness, but why do I need to say sorry? Because you need to. Do you know you're going to mess up up in life? You want to have, this is what I know about you. You want to have, if you get married one day, you want to have the best marriage that you can possibly have. If you have a job one day, you want to have a great relationship with your coworkers. You want to have a great environment. If you're part of a church community, you want to be close with the people that are in it, and you want to be growing spiritually. If you have kids, you want to be, uh, you, you know, have a great father, son, mother, daughter, whatever relationship it is. You want to have good relationships with your family, but you make mistakes. You're going to mess stuff up. You know, and, and I think sometimes people look at like church people, right? Christians, like that. You know, they're they're good people. Did you know you still have to, like, apologize? 
It's funny because Jared, Coco, and I work so closely here at Young Adults as a team. I've had to apologize to Jared. I've had to apologize to Coco. Coco's apologized to me. Coco's apologized to Jared. Jared's apologized to Coco. Jared's apologized. This is like something that happens because we mess things up. You gotta, you're, you're gonna have to apologize in your life. And I think about this, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly young, and uh, I didn't used to be officially on staff here at High Street. And one day we were having a pastor's meeting, and, uh, we, you know, we're talking about ideas, dreams we've got for the future, and all that different stuff. Like, we're dreaming for the church. And, it, you know, sometimes there's ideas, there's tough conversations that happen amongst, like, our staff. And I remember we're sitting there with Pastor Eddie, and like, I don't deserve, I don't even deserve to be in the room, right? And I had an idea or something, and, and it was probably a dumb idea, just to be honest with you. And I remember after that meeting ended, I didn't even think anything of it. My phone goes off and it's past ready, so I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, man, what did I, you know, I'll probably mess something. I'm going to tell me not to come back anymore. Um, but I, I see that Pastor Eddie, who's our lead pastor here, I sure he's calling me. And so I pick it up, and, and he just says, hey, Logan, you know, I just wanted to let you know, I didn't think I responded very well to you when you had that idea. And I just, I want you to know that I appreciate you, and I'm sorry if I made you feel like, uh, like you, you know, you weren't valid. I remember thinking, like, like, he didn't have to call me. He didn't need to call me and tell me that. I, told, I was like, Pastor, you, I, I didn't even really think anything of it. I promise it's fine. But he's like, I needed to do this. I needed to call you, and I needed to, I, I, felt, I, felt, you, you know, I felt convicted of it, and I needed to address it. You know what that's evidence of? We're going through this series on the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings, and we're talking about what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. That's what it looks like. That when you have a relationship with God, that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, guiding your life, and that sometimes you're going to be convicted of things that you've done. You're going to have to apologize for the sake of your marriage, for the sake of your friendships, for the sake of your family. You've got to learn to say sorry, which leads me to my second point. Don't quench an apology. Don't quench an apology. Don't feel that Holy Spirit prompting, right? to apologize and then just forget it. Don't put it off. You might, you might be thinking like, man, you know what, I, I only reacted badly because they, they, they started it. I was 5% wrong, they were 95% wrong. But you know what, 5% wrong is still wrong. If you have something stirring up inside of your heart, don't quench that apology. One of the things that we see all throughout scripture is this, is that humility is something that God celebrates. Even Jesus says, hey, I came not to be served, but to serve others. There's this attitude of humility that exists in a Christ follower's life. And you know what apologizing to someone looks like? It looks like swallowing your pride. And so for me, it's like, you, you might be an introverted person. You're like, well, I, I don't want to bring it up. You might be a peacemaker, and you might be like, I, I, I don't like tension and conflict, and that might make it worse. You might be like me and you're more, a little more brash. You're like, they'll, they'll be fine. They're, they're, surely they're okay. But you know what? Like when we feel something prompting us to say sorry, we need to do it. We got to do it. Don't quench an apology. And I want you to think about this, that your apology to somebody could change everything for them. Your apology to someone else could change everything for them. I remember hearing the story uh, of, that Mary told. She was on our podcast, an open mic. Uh, she was interning, and, and uh, Mary leads our, our first impressions here and, and one of our team leaders. And I remember her saying that like, she felt like she had done some wrong in the job that she had. 
And she actually went back and, and she called one of her old coworkers or, or she messaged him and actually apologized. And I'm like, Mary, that's crazy because you would never see this coworker again in your life. And I remember hearing that story and be like, huh, that's pretty cool. I'll never forget, you guys live in, some of you guys live in apartments, I'm sure, and sometimes apartments managers and stuff, they'd be trying to cheat you out a little bit, and they got that bad internet, and so I was at an apartment with some bad internet, and so I called, uh, I just like, one day my internet shuts off, I'm at the Greens apartment over there, and uh, I was upset because I'm like, I'm paying for this internet, and I actually need it. And I remember I called the lady, and y'all have your phone voice as well, and I call the the internet person, this this. It, the service was somewhere else, right? It wasn't even like attached to the apartment. I call him, hey, it's Logan. How you doing? I was just calling to let you know my internet's out. I've got my nice voice on. I'm feeling good, full of the Holy Spirit. Things are going well in this conversation. And I meet someone on the other end of the line, and this lady's grumpy. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'm just going to let you know what's going on. I don't have internet. Oh, yeah, that's because your card had an error. Okay, my credit card's not expired, so yeah, it's going to be a few days before we can actually start your internet back up. And you, you start feeling it bubbling up. And I remember I got real short. And I went from like the nice version to the mean version. And I remember I, I, I like took it out on this lady a little bit. I let my frustration fell. And, and I think in the worldly standards, that's okay, Right? They should have had better customer service. It was not my fault that their system had an error in their card, and they should have renewed my internet right then. And I hung up the phone after I vented that out, and I let that frustration go. And I'm like, oh, man. I started getting this Holy Spirit conviction. I'm like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. I'm just going to brush this off. I don't need to worry about it. And I kept having it. And I kept having it. And I kept being like, man, I feel sorry for that lady. You know, she's probably getting calls all day long of, of people being upset at her. She doesn't understand the situation. It wasn't her fault that it didn't work, but I kind of took it out on her. And so I remember uh, I, I called her back, and I just told her, I, I asked if I could speak to the same person again, and uh, I called him, and, and I, I just told her sorry. And it was a real awkward conversation, let me tell you. It wasn't like, she was like, thanks so much. You know, I appreciate that. It was just weird, all right? But I sat in that weirdness, and I don't regret that. I don't say that story to brag. There's times where I've quenched an apology, and guess what? It doesn't feel good. There's still tension there from that. Don't quench an apology that needs to be made. This is something that will change your relationships. It will change your marriage. It will change everything. I want to ask the band to come up. As we, I, I got a couple more points left, but I want to ask them to come up. And, um, and the last thing is this, is, you know, an apology is a matter of your heart. You understand that? Do you know that they've actually studied and uh, I love it when like a big company messes up sometimes. It's like they have a generic email response. If you Google, you can actually find like apology templates. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, like KFC, they, didn't, they ran out of fried chicken or something and they, they send out a Twitter apology and it looks like every other apology. And I just laugh at that because we've almost entered into this age of like fake apology. You can actually use an apology and leverage it to where it's just for your gain and you don't actually feel remorse for what's going on. You're apologizing, but like remember confessing is admitting that there's guilt, to not deny wrong. And sometimes you can use an apology to just leverage power in a situation or to leverage an advantage. And it's kind of cringeworthy. You guys have seen it, a professional athlete messes up or, you know, we see someone caught in some sort of scandal, some politician, and it's like you're giving the same old apology that everybody else did. Nobody wants a fake apology. 
But when we're truly apologizing for something and we're modeling ourselves after the life of Christ, when we're modeling ourselves after the gospel, after the heart and character of God, that apologizing is actually, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of your heart. There's this process that we undergo as believers called sanctification. And what that really means is that as we uh, are a believer and as we walk by the Spirit, as the, the fruits of the Spirit abound in our lives, that we're being sanctified, that we're becoming more Christ-like. The, the, the intention of having a relationship with God was not that, hey, I, I got out of jail, like a, a free card, I'm free from hell, and I'm good to go. That a relationship with God looks like a relationship, and that as you spend time with Him, and as you engage in spiritual disciplines, you'll actually grow in your life, and you'll be sanctified, that you'll be made more Christ-like, that you'll become more holy, that an apology is not just for show. It's not just an act of like obedience. It's not simply that. It is an act of obedience. And you're listening to that prompting. But it doesn't just stop there. That apologizing and saying sorry, learning to say sorry, is a matter of your heart and what's inside of you. That's the key. And as Christ followers, as Christians, we should be the bearers of hope when it comes to a subject like this. Our lives, like if we're to be on a city on a hill that's not hidden, right? If our light is to shine, if the church is to be different, is as a believer, if your life is different, this is something that we have to have. Anybody can hang on to bitterness. Anyone can, can hold on to hate. Anybody can quench an apology and think it's not that big of a deal. I don't actually do that much wrong. I'm not as bad as somebody else. But if we're to be like hope bearers, if our lives to be different, we need the work of God in our lives transforming our hearts to where we see the sin in our lives and we're willing to humble ourselves and lower ourselves and ask for forgiveness for the things that are wrong in our lives. Man, your life will be different if it's characterized by that. It will be better. That's what, that's what you really want. And you know what's crazy is that as we look at 1 John 8, 8 and 10, what does it say at the end of verse 9? It says it's, that if we're faithful and just, like if we ask for forgiveness of our sins, if we confess it, that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This act of confession, this act of apologizing, it's actually cleansing. You're going to feel refreshed by it. It's actually going to wash things away in your life. And so I don't know what you got going on in here. I don't know if as I'm speaking, you're thinking of a friend you've wronged, a roommate, your parents. Are you going to quench that apology? Or are you going to like, Go and do something with it. And then I would ask anyone who's in here tonight, have you ever, like, the key to forgiveness is what? Is dealing with the tension that's in your heart. If you don't have a relationship with God, your life, your, your ability to forgive others around you, it's hopeless, it's helpless, it's just head knowledge. There's nothing to do with your heart involved in that until you have a relationship with God. Until you've gone to Him, you've admitted you're wrong, you stop denying the sin that's in your life, and you confess that to Him. 
address that tension first. Do you know why you might feel heavy? Why you might feel burdened tonight? You, you, you're either living in sin and you're not addressing it or you've just never addressed it before. And that is not what God has for you. He doesn't have this for you that you would be weighed down and that you'd be hurting and that you'd be anxious and that you'd feel helpless and hopeless. What God wants for you is he wants you to have victory. He wants you to feel cleansed. He wants to give you new life. That's his desire. That's his heart. That's what it's for. It's for you. And so if our lives are gonna be marked by forgiveness, it all starts with the gospel. That's where it starts. And then it looks like living it out in our lives. And as we close here, you know, in the band plays and before we do our groups kick off and, and you guys can come up front and sign up for a group after the service and you should do that because groups help you process things like this message right here. Then we're gonna, the altars will be open and I said it last time I spoke, this is not like some special place up here. But I would encourage you, if you've never dealt with the tension that's in your heart, that you would do that tonight. Tonight would be the night that you say, God, I've failed, I've done wrong, I need to address the tension that is in my life. And if you're a believer in here and you feel the Holy Spirit stirring some things up in your life, you're feeling some tension, you're feeling some weight, maybe you just need to take that to God. Like confession isn't a one-time thing. Confession, confession and sharing that with other people and coming to God and admitting your sins, that's gonna heal you, that's gonna cleanse you. Yeah, when we do that, we're saved, but then it's an act of obedience continuing in that and addressing the sin that's in our lives. And so I'd ask you, like if that's you tonight, maybe you need to come deal with something. Maybe right there as you're worshiping and, and as, you're, as you're singing, you just need to spend some time with God. You guys bow your heads. Thank mm-hmm. you.